Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. All right, we'll straighten up, Scoop. Come back for us. Come back. Come back to the microphone. Okay. Because three Americans have reached the quarterfinals of the Australian Open for the first time in more than 20 years. Now, Mike Cation is a U.S. tennis uh, commentator who has joined us on the line this morning. Welcome aboard, Mike, and thanks a lot for your time. No, it's great to be with you. Thanks for having me. So we've got Ben Shelton, Seb Corder, Tommy Paul, John Tommy Paul into the last day. Good times for American tennis. This has been a long time coming on the men's side. Obviously, the women have been holding things down for a long time. Obviously, Serena and Venus, what they have done for American tennis can't be overstated, right? But yeah, what these three young men are doing right now is just amazing and and great to see for us back in the States. Now, Ben Shelton, the thing that's most exciting is that they're next-gen talent, really, aren't they? So Ben Shelton's 20. Seb Corder, great story. He's 22. Uh, Tommy's a little bit older, but still only 25. Um, So this is exciting because hopefully they're not just here for a good time. They're here for a long time as well. Yeah, and what's really interesting about it is I think uh, everybody coming in thought if there was going to be a couple of American men into the quarterfinals and beyond, it was going to be Taylor Fritz and Francis Tiafo. Um, the fact that it's a couple of the younger guys and Sebi and Ben specifically, and then Tommy Paul joining them as well, really kind of shows the depth of American tennis right now. And that's what's so exciting is that there are so many different young men who can make a run. Mikey, the change, is there something or are you sensing or can you put your finger on something that's happened in tennis in the US to, for these youngsters to be you know, coming through at an earlier age and being prominent in Grand Slams? Well, I, I think the big part of it, frankly, there, there's kind of a twofold situation for that question. Number one, and again, I, I go back to Serena and Venus continuing to make tennis relatively cool in the States. Um, there hasn't been really an American man who's leading the way in that regard, but the fact that they have been there and keeping tennis uh, in the forefront a little bit over the last couple of years, it's such a big deal. The second part is, is frankly, the USTA, the governing body for tennis back in the States, really made a, a concerted effort to try to get players at a younger age um, and really get them involved um, in their local clubs and making kind of that push and then all getting them together and providing them with a ton of professional tournaments at the lower levels, that being the futures level, the challenger level. Um, So you saw a bunch of guys who kind of came together and were all able to work together and then kind of make these pushes in tournaments so everybody's moving at the same point. Um, For Francis and Taylor, Riley Opelka, who's been injured, and Tommy Paul, they came together as a group and just continue to push each other to make it just a little bit easier so that everybody had somebody to lean on. Um, and now those guys are setting the standard for Ben Shelton, Sebastian Corda. And, and listen, Sebi and, and Ben have their own you know, ties into the sport with both of them with parents who have been top-level players themselves. So often we used to read about uh, youngsters, not just uh, from the U.S., but around the world going to Florida and places like that for tennis camps. And they'd, they'd actually live in there and, and they'd change their residential ad- address to to Florida. Does that sort of thing still happen? And has that become more, uh, I suppose, significant in the upbringing of young tennis players now in the US? 
Yeah, no, that's a great question. It's actually lessened a little bit. Um, the focus has really been on making sure that players um, were in normal environments with their families, training with their local clubs and local coaches and getting support from uh, the National Federation, um, more so at their homes. A part of that due to the fact that you had, you know, I hate to bring up a name like this, but Jennifer Capriotti, who just got burned out at such a young age, right? That's one that I think everybody was able to point to and just say, that's not exactly the healthiest of environments. So you'll definitely still have um, some families who choose to travel together and maybe train down in, in Florida if they go to an academy or something along those lines that, that fits them, but it's more so done with a family unit and then there's support from a national uh, federation, the USTA, to try and make sure that they're getting the best coaching available for them there where they live. Speaking to uh, US tennis commentator and co-host of the Behind the Racket podcast, Mike Cation. Mike, I'll, I'll, we'll come back to Seb Corder because I know he obviously plays today. But I want you to cast ahead to tomorrow's one between Ben Shelton and, and Tommy Paul. Can you tell us a little bit about the background of these two guys? So two guys that maybe Australian listeners this morning won't be overly familiar with. I was shocked to hear that this is Ben's first trip outside the US in his life. Can you give us a bit of background on the two young men? Yeah, let's start with Ben Shelton. Um, his dad, Brian, uh, ended up with a career-high 55. Very good player in his own right. Um, and is now the head coach at the University of Florida, the collegiate team that Ben played on for the last two years. Um, ben, he, his parents made it, did a great job of just letting him be a kid. Um, obviously, an incredible athlete is, is Ben Shelton. But he was playing football, uh, American football. He was also playing baseball. And it wasn't until he was 14 that he made that decision with his family to say, I think I should maybe focus on tennis. His dad didn't push him in that particular direction. So um, he started playing national tournaments, but never went the route of those big international junior tournaments that is, for example, the Australian Open Junior Tournament that's going on right now. So he was very much a late developer to the high-level tennis. Um, having his dad there with that type of talent himself to be able to push him and teach him and guide him, um, it, it's been remarkable. But what's so unique about Ben is he is already a, a well-rounded human being um, because of the fact, you know, we were just talking about the fact that so many players in, in the years past would go to an academy and just leave their family unit. Ben just feels like a normal kid. He's 20 years old. He's already got this massive serve incredible forehand and is just so composed and I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that he is just so normal as a human didn't go to all those tournaments and I think that has actually given him a, a distinct advantage so early in his career um, on the other side Tommy Paul a little bit um, mm. ooh, how do I how do I say this guys Tommy went through the first couple of years and, and as I mentioned he was with Taylor Fritz and Francis Tiafo and Riley Opelka guys who got to the top 50 a little bit faster. Um, and it took Tommy a little bit longer. He's an incredible talent, very fast. Um, it's just taken him a while to become a professional. I don't think when he was uh, first on the road, I don't think he was ready to be out there and starting to play professional tournaments. Um, and it's, it, it, he went really, he really went through it. He stayed in that 400 to 500 in the world level for a couple of years, had some injury issues, um, but he, he needed some guiding, he needed some help, and he has an incredible coach by the name of Brad Stein, who used to work with Jim Courier when Jim Courier was number one in the world before he became one of the best commentators in the world. Um, and he just kind of needed a father figure, I think, on the road to help guide him and 
teach him what it means to be a professional day in, day out, to put in those couple of hours in the gym, make sure that the practice session was focused. What he does well is an incredible mover, um, and he's become a much more offensive-minded player right on top of that baseline, taking time away, and the ground strokes are top-notch. So quarter Hutchinov is going to be a great clash this afternoon. I'm really looking forward to that one. And the quarter name a lot of listeners are familiar with, given it's, what, more than a quarter of a century now since his old man Peter won here. So it's a nice story to follow the Seb quarter one. Yeah, and on top of it, listen, his mom was top 30 in the world mm. in tennis. Um, and on top of it, the sisters um, are also both incredible uh, women's golf players. And I, I believe it's Nellie who's won uh, the Australian Open golf event down here. I think Jessica might have as well. Um, I- incredible family in terms of the athletic capabilities. Um, yeah, Sebi coming into his own this year, he just started working with Radek Stepanik. Um, a, a top-notch player as well. And nobody had any doubts about Seb Korda. Um, it took him a little bit of time, won the Australian Open Junior event a few years back. Um, but everybody knew that he was going to get to this level. It was just a matter of when. And he's still and so incredibly young, a long way to go. His composure, though, over the last couple of days has been remarkable to watch. I didn't know if he was ready yet for this level, but certainly has the game and his capabilities on the backhand wing, especially uh, something that is going to be really interesting to watch today against Hachanov. I think he's the favorite in that particular matchup personally, um, but it's going to be a really difficult one against a guy who's striking the ball incredibly well. And we can't let you go without asking about Jess Pagula, who's in action tonight against mm. uh, obviously Azarenka, who's winding the clock right back, Mike. Uh, what chance yeah. to give Jess, who's obviously the third seed and playing some great tennis herself? Yeah, I think it's been her development has been remarkable as well. Uh, it took her a, a while to get back in form after a near knee injury earlier in her career. Um, and obviously a lot has been made about the fact that she has a, a little bit more in terms of the financial resources earlier in her career, being a daughter of the owner of the Buffalo Bills, the NFL team back in the States. But her work ethic is incredible. And what has been so good for her in this stretch early in the season are the way that these courts are playing. They're fast. And that allows her to be such an aggressive player. It's also, you know, that's why Vika is also having this big surge as well, I think, because of the fact that it favors people who make sure that they are on the attack. They will go after things. Jess is so level-headed, so intelligent on a court. And the, the way it's playing so fast right now She's just able to swing freely and go after things. And yeah, she, in my opinion, is the favorite on the women's side. Hey, great to have you on, Mike. I've got to say, uh, always great to speak to people who know the athletes so well. So I loved your insights this morning. Enjoy the, the rest of your time here in Melbourne. Appreciate it. Thanks so much, guys. Have a great rest of your day.